Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Unpacking Brisbane. Uh, we're not talking about suburbs today, although we still are unpacking. Uh, we have a great interview for you with Drew Pavlou, a UQ senator, man who stoked as much controversy as just about anyone in our lives has. Yeah, it's a, it's something Joe and I spoke about with the podcast that we wanted to do was not just cover podcast, sorry, not just cover suburbs, uh, but to cover Brisbane events, I suppose, stories of Brisbane and uh, whether that's past or present. And this is a story, the story of Drew Pavlou that's currently unfolding, not just in Brisbane or at the University of Queensland, but it's in worldwide news. It's being covered by not only all major Australian media organisations, but the Washington Post, the New York Times. So it's, it's a big international deal that really starts at its core at the University of Queensland and has its roots in student politics and I mean Joe and I I'm a graduate Joe's a current student at UQ the it's a very interesting student politics scene and I guess the way that Drew has flipped that on its head mm. to the point where it's driven him to international fame and has now put him on the brink of expulsion it's a pretty interesting Brisbane story. And for, look, the episode sort of assumes, and the interview assumes that you probably know, but for the people who are coming to this completely fresh, uh, we've known Drew for a few years. For a long time, he was a Facebook shit poster and a bloke with some really interesting opinions who got his voice out there. Uh, but last year, he had a rally. He had a protest um, with the, you know, in solidarity with the protest in Hong Kong, and there was some violence at that protest, and Drew's profile exploded. He yeah. became a UQ senator. Uh, but didn't stop his sort of chaotic ways, for lack of a better word. Um, and certainly he's an, he's an imperfect character, but he's now facing expulsion from the university, and we thought it was a really strong opportunity to get his look at this uniquely Brisbane part of his story. Yeah, there's like... So Drew's based a lot of his public persona around this battle with the Vice-Chancellor of the of UQ, Peter Hoy. Uh, now, Peter Hoy is a guy who uh, Joe and I have an opinion on, uh, not an overly favourable one, but he's like really gone against this guy as basically being a, uh, a puppet of the Chinese government as a way of securing funding for the university and um, as such did not come out to defend Drew and sort of openly uh, left Drew out to dry when he was assaulted on campus um, during these protests last year. So it's a, it's a really interesting story about the corporatization of uni. It's an interesting story about social media and young people and the way that it affects them, I suppose. Uh, so, something we should say as well, um, Drew... Uh, he, he shoots from the hip, as he says himself he's, in the he's, interview. He's an abrasive character and he's open about it. Yeah. We, 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 he's a provocateur. We cover a lot of stuff in this interview. Throughout, he does name a few people by name. He gives some opinions about people involved in student politics. Uh, he gives a lot of opinions later on when we start tying the grounds for his expulsion to the uh, alleged kind of suppression of freedom of speech on campus regarding the China issue by the uni. But he, you know, this, he's not speaking for unpacking Brisbane a lot of the time. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these allegations are just that. They are allegations against people. If this raises any stress for anyone named or anyone who listens, feel free to get in contact with us for some sort of right of reply. And look, this episode won't be for everyone. Um, and we think it's important to warn people from the outset. It has some pretty frank discussions mental health issues and suicide. We think it's an important conversation, but everyone should be aware of that from the outset. It is a long-form interview. There's no Wikipedia wig out. There's no Does Drew Pavlou fuck? 
But if you're interested in his story as we were, you are going to be interested in this episode, we hope. Yeah, and if any of that mental health or suicide discussion is um, is of particular concern to you, just please, please listen carefully. Um, we'll be back later this week with our usual programming of a suburb. Uh, as we said, this is a we, we really do get into the weeds of student politics, of universities' relation to money and corporations and global um, politics global politics yeah it's, it's a really meaty interview um but yeah not not going to be for everyone so if this isn't your cup of tea this isn't what every episode's going to be like going forward we will have more interviews with more uh a diverse range of people but um for our first one uh please enjoy our discussion with uq senator and uh a man who has been agent provocateur agent provocateur <laughs> and man on the edge of expulsion uh from the university of queensland drew pavlou Because I wouldn't compare it to a McChicken, for example. No, I wouldn't. Which are famously yeah, pretty bad, I reckon. Now, Drew Pavlou, yes. you've been described as a rebel, a visionary, a rabble rouser, a troublemaker, and a thorn in the side of the university administration. Our first question to you: What All was true. it like to go to the semi with Mary Stickley? Oh, yes, very Your greatest impo- achievement. <laughs> very important. Um, very important question. For a long time, I genuinely believed like that was the peak of my life. Yep, fair enough. I I never thought um. <laughs> I never thought I'd go past that, to be honest. I don't think the Washington Post reported on that. They, they? Should have, no. they should have. Though. Now, it's weird. In the litany of journalism that's been written about you, they yeah. haven't found the column inches for how good year 11 was to yeah. do yeah. that. <laughs> Honestly, uh, grade 11, good times. Like, yeah. I was um, I was going to gym a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, was, I was quite healthy. Mm. Um, I, was, I was really into Aesop skincare. I was, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was... I was <laughs> So I was. Were you like? Were you into? I mean, I know that university politics is such a different level, but were you into like school politics and like? Oh no! Did you, I wasn't. Did you do a school captain campaign? No, I didn't. Oh, Al- although when I was younger, like grade nine, <laughs> yeah, I had like, like a campaign for student council where I ran basically the exact same thing I ran for UQ, and won. <laughs> what about what about Chinese uh, what? slaughtering Muslims? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Like, yeah. What year nines be like? Yeah, the wiggers are really a plight that I get around. <laughs> Uh, no, that and tuck shop. Uh, oh, it wasn't on policy. It was just um, <laughs> it was just exploiting um, it was just exploiting, like were you attacking teachers? I guess like were you in, in the way? There's I probably guess. a lack of chaos in the life of a year nine. Like I feel like if anyone came up and said something interesting or Speaking against yourself, the grain, mate, was... that's actually true. Yeah, yeah. you you showed no, up on actually, dates okay. smelling like milk. It, I'd say no. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily a chaotic campaign. So. In that sense, it was my my later campaigns were different, mm. but I guess um, my grade nine student council campaign. Traditionally, the student council mm. was just always for the dweebs, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, I don't know. If I think Joe, changed, both Joe and I were on it. Yeah, so. Henry, Henry and I as good well, little debating geeks. Oh, that, so that's it. good. That's good. <laughs> and like, this was in my like sort of essay stage. Mm. Oh yeah, cool. Where like I was friends. I remember. With- Drew, I was like really scared of you when I was at Why? school. Really? Because. There, a bunch of your mates from Villa threatened to bash the heads in of me and a mate of mine. And I remember a message that I got. Um, Just between me and you, like, keep this part of the podcast, mm. but, like, who was it? I think it was... <laughs> Fuck, he's so not scary. Yeah, no, no, he sent me a message. I Actually, just keep that in the podcast. I, I distinctly yeah, remember it. He sent me a message saying, picture 10 cunts jumping on your head, smashing your glasses slowly. And I was like, oh, jeez, this is pretty intense. So, yeah, you were, I remember you being a... a at least you rolled with a scary crew. No, I, I how actually, I felt at the time. 
I did roll with a scary, mm. cr- scary crew, to be honest. Well, I guess that's a good segue in many ways into, I guess, current rebellion in a way. Mm, true, The true. bad boy. The main, and we'll go through your story a little bit. Yes, but, of course. Uh, and, and from everything from the UQ Senate to uh, talking a little bit about how you got yourself into this. Uh, Maybe we should start from the beginning, like just childhood. Well, although Drew, Drew, much like many a good motion picture, we'd like to start at the end. Oh, yeah, well, yes, we'd like to start yes. at the current. So, <laughs> like Danny Boyle. Most people would yes. have heard your name, at least most recently, I suppose, in the context of the battle you're in with UQ administration mm. at the moment. Yes. So, you've been threatened with expulsion. Yes. From the University of Queensland. Yes. So, I've got the. I brought the 186 page dossier yeah. here. So, expl- just give us, a, give us a bit of context. So, you. Here, you obviously you sit on one of two student seats on the UQ Senate, which is a 22-person yes. uh, kind of body that includes the Vice Chancellor, who will yeah. very much come to soon. And it's quite a serious body, isn't it? Yes. Like it has quite a large salary that you've donated to charity. It's you know created yeah. by statute. There's a literal UQ Senate Act that the yeah. Queensland Parliament passed. Yeah, so that I is suppose, true. So it's I suppose, and you, so you sit on that. You're doing your work, and you get told by the university you're going to sit before a disciplinary hearing and you receive this document. So tell us a little bit about what led to that. It, it was surprising to me, honestly. So a lot of people were like, oh, Drew's been like sort of like seeking it out. Like Drew's... <laughs> He's been a bad boy. Yeah, true. Well, a lot of people have been like, Drew was expecting one of these expulsion documents. Yeah. But I honestly wasn't because like, I like sort of, like during my first Senate meeting... Hmm, I'm not sure how much I can go into this because it is confidential. But basically, there was a long discussion about my post and whether I would continue to sit on the Senate. With with you in the room? <sighs> for a portion of it. Gee, that would have been a bit awkward. Yeah, I defended myself. It went, it went for hours. Oh, wow. Like, Peter Hoy and I were outside and he like was like trying to make like small talk and like trying to be funny and he was like oh drew i've never kept the senate waiting this long before and i was like yeah yeah is that his, is that his actual accent yeah yeah he, <laughs> oh, that's he's got funny. a he's got a good danish accent yeah i was going to ask you about that like i mean it's something you hear so much in politics generally about like uh oh, you know, they, they battle it out in question time, but they're actually good friends. And, you know, these illusions mm. of, like, I don't know, Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. Yeah. They're on the opposite like, side. Oh, when they're like John Hughes. I was going to ask, what's your, what's your actual personal relationship? Is it like when you, you bash are... each other online and then when you see each other, it's kind of awkward small talk? Or is it is there real animosity there? There's a real animosity. And oh, it's mostly, cool. like, from Peter himself, yeah. which is, like, really interesting. Pete Hoy. Yeah. Like, this is an, a grown man. Mm. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's, like, more than 60 years old. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, there's something so distinctly tragic about him getting so worked up about a person a third of his age. Like, it's about yeah. us getting worked up about a seven or eight-year-old. Like, it's that equivalent. <laughs> he's, yes. pay- he's a millionaire, and yeah. this is how he chooses to spend his time. It's very funny. It's, it's very interesting. Like, I've been told, like, by, like, like, pretty good sources, like, people really high up in the university administration, mm. they were like... Oh, yeah, there was a time where, like, I came into the office and Peter was just, like, refreshing that, like, petition you made to sack him. Like, <laughs> oh, you're kidding. <laughs> in the, same, in even... the same way that we sit around looking at our downloads. Yeah. yeah. Like, or, like, when you upload a new DP and just yeah. keep refreshing and check the likes. Like, I wish that were I wish that were a joke, but 
apparently Peter Hoyer just... That is... So just, yeah, just for our listeners who might not be aware. So, I mean, and we'll come further to Peter Hoyt, but this is the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Queensland and uh, drew sort of as part of your online defence um, to these to this threatened expulsion, did start a, yeah, a petition to have Peter Hoy be sacked before um, you were yes. expelled. So well, I still believe in that. I still believe that Peter Hoy should be sacked because... Mm. Um, I, want, I want to get to Peter Hoy a little later, but yes, I just yes. first want to come to the dossier and yeah, the allegations. Course. So essentially... And, and also, fellas, can I just say, great pronunciation of dossiers so far. Thank you. Yes, thank in you. my mind, thank I've you. been thinking dossier every time oh, I go to say I'm go. really liking the French flavour we've brought. Well oh, done. I'm all well, pronouncing Hoy correctly, which is yeah. spelled H-O-J. Henry and I were talking about he must have like an Australian twin brother called Pete Hodge. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah that's uh, a good that's a good and one. And you've actually. got the Danish version, unfortunately, and he's a lot more evil. Yeah. So yeah, we'll come we'll, yeah. we'll we'll come to him, but I want to talk about so this dossier expelling. I think we should also point out for listeners, like University of Queensland, expulsion of a student is quite a high bar. It's something that there have been students in the past who have been charged with criminal uh, convictions that have not been expelled. Quite, quite yeah. literally someone who tortured a cat last year. Yeah. Wasn't even whispers of expulsion. Because generally the universities sort of held that your activities outside of university don't have a huge amount of bearing. Like, expulsion well, is usually for, like, academic misconduct type That's things. actually their argument, though. But, like, because what I do is, like, as, like, say, a UQ student representative or yeah. whatever, so it's part of, like, UQ, that's worse than torturing a kitten. Yeah, well, yeah, she wasn't actually, wearing a, a purple UQ shirt when she did it, so of, it's of course. <laughs> that's of fine. Course. Um, yeah. Of course. It's, um, so, I guess, going to the the allegations itself and I guess a lot of it stems from um, something you're uniquely I guess good at or you use for good or bad depending on people's takes on you I suppose is that they've gone through in excruciating detail your Facebook and we were talking (laughs) off mic before like there's there's no conspiracy here there's nothing to uncover you're a very very Mm. open book you put everything you kind of you share everything from posts about your political stances to like individual conversations you have with people on messenger yeah. why why the why the, the other bo- day i literally made a post like just prematurely ejaculated with my yeah. sexual partner yeah like that was a post <laughs> i made in a public and, and, they've, and they've paid lawyers thirty thousand dollars to root through these comments yes, and, yes. Uh, and find them <laughs> so what's your so what's your like wh- when did you imagine being in that office <laughs> when did, that when, is a very smart office mm. yeah when did you make that decision to be like i'm gonna put everything up i i didn't really make a decision i guess it. Was, i don't know i think it's just I don't know. It's very difficult. I think some people think I'm putting it on, but I think it's just genuinely how I am. Yeah. Well, like you've... I just constantly like take the piss and like I just love like shit posting and memes and. I was gonna say I'd say like your shit posting nature has not changed for a number of years and yeah. and, and you know the years we've known each other and and the orbiter and everything. Yeah. But I think now it's just interesting because you've got a legitimized voice now yeah. that you're on the Senate. You yeah. haven't changed, but the expectations around you have. And do you feel like people have been slow to catch up or that there should be different expectations? <sighs> that is the weird thing because, like, I'm fundamentally just the exact same person mm. I was, like, just say, like, just, like, June 2018 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, now there's just, like, like <laughs> I don't know, there's, like, You're international, in international media. International media, yeah. Yeah. And I always did want a voice because I've always been super in- passionate about politics and stuff. Yeah. But it is weird to adjust to because, like, yeah. I guess I guess part of the problem was that, like, I just kept on, like, acting the exact same way without, like, thinking, damn, now I've actually got to, like, think about yeah. what I say. Like, I guess nothing you did changed. So you probably never had a moment of going to yourself, well, I have to change my ways because... <sighs> 
well, you almost got to the position where you were by faultlessly being yourself in an environment like a yeah. student politics environment where probably the biggest knock is people aren't themselves. Exactly. I'm just, it. yeah, honestly, I think people just like sort of like despise the fact that like student politics is treated so, so seriously. Yeah. By, the, by those, like, hacks. And, like, they treat it as, like, a dress rehearsal for, like, a campaign in 20 years' time. Mm. And yeah. so, like, they act like Hillary Clinton, like, everything's vetted and focus group and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, no one cares. Just, like, just literally just post, like... Fucking 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, like, you're just 20 years old. Just post, like, we need more asbestos. And then, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the true strategy. When I was running in the Senate campaign, I literally put up a post saying, like... Like, I took off my shirt outside, like, the front of the Brian Wilson <laughs> Chancery building, which is where Peter Hoy's office is. I took, I took off it. my shirt and I was just like, um, Peter Hoy, if you've still got any manliness left in you, like, come wrestle me naked on the great court. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and like I, I guess, like, and, like, the hacks are so pissed when I do stuff like that yeah. because they're like, they're like, no, it has to be serious. You have to be, like, well, everything guess- has to be focus grouped and vetted and it's just yeah. me going, like... Yeah. Come wrestle me naked. Well, like, I guess and the of- fact that that spoke to students more than six months of strategizing on another ridiculous name like fresh or thrive or <laughs> well, just no strange cares. adverbs. Well, no one, no one cares about like just their boring sort of shit. Yeah. Like, you know, Roger Stone, the crazy Trump advisor who got yeah. like imprisoned. Yeah, his one rule of politics like don't be boring. Ah. It's fucking true. Just mm. don't be boring. That is, and, like, I mean, the- and he's not. <laughs> Yeah, he's not. He's got a massive tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back. But Drew, how many people have been truly saved by puppies on campus? You know, you got to oh, you yes, got to be yeah, real. That's true. And the pancakes, and the pancakes as well. Also, but also like I've never even felt like they do that that often. I'll give credit to QT. I get stuff yeah. in my feed all the time from QT being like Labradors on campus. I'm like, look, if I went to QT, I'd care. I feel like the UQ Union just doesn't really do all that much. Dude, like they use the fucking UQ Union offices as a sex dungeon. Mm. Like, <laughs> okay. like yeah, we've, no, we've heard that <laughs> Like literally like High school boys and girls will literally go in And then just like come out like six hours later With like ruffled hair And because no one fucking understands what's happening in there This is like, this is like net near the pizza cafe there or oh, yeah. No no just the offices where like yeah, they work yeah. And like President Ethan Van Roo like, who, rose, who rose to fame On the back of his uh, no non-law students In the law library past Oh cringe cringe yeah Like Ethan Van Roo has been spotted, like, like he'll go in to work, because it's like a full-time salaried position. Yeah, yeah. So he'll go in to work at, like, 9am or whatever, and just play Napoleon Total War all fucking day, and then just go home and he's paid for it. Yeah. Legit. Like, yes, because... like, now why isn't he more honest with that? Because I think I, every I actually, student would find that so much more relatable. I actually raised it at a UQ Union Council meeting, and he, like... He was trying really hard to like pretend he wasn't a lizard. Like he was laughing, like "Oh yes, yes, I play, I play Total War and stuff." But like, his eyes looked so scary. <laughs> a bit, of, you, a bit. Of, you got me, mate. But uh, yeah, you can hear about it. Afterwards. You could sort of, you could sort of sense that something had shifted in him when I brought it up. Yes. I know you go, Matt. <laughs> well, I want to hear more about the lizard eyes. But then I got, I got a oh, question about one of the true. allegations. Well, I, I just guess with, with Ethan. Like, he's not even that good at Napoleon Total War, despite the immense... <laughs> despite the yeah. fact he's paid, he's probably yeah. the most highly paid Napoleon Total yeah. War player currently operating in Brisbane. And he's put immense numbers of hours into it. Yeah. And I'm talking, like, I completed the grand campaign on that game in, like, grade eight. Yeah. And Ethan still hasn't finished it, and he just it's plays like it all day. Unit, yeah. the, you know why he can do that? Because, like, three or four years ago, like, Gabby Starr 
just the most cursed UQ Union president ever to ever exist. Like, you know, the university... Had... Was she was she the president in you and I's first year, like 2017? Yeah, 2017 UQ cool. Union president. And, like, she had such a close relationship with the UQ administration that, like, no joke, like, Deputy Vice-Chancellor Joanne Wright, like, literally had a fucking framed photo of her in her, in her office. You're kidding. And like, Gabby. Yeah, and as soon as, oh, like... that's weird. And as soon as Gabby, like, graduated, she took a job with Joanne Wright working for the university administration. Oh, that sucks. And, like... <laughs> Yeah, and she just sold out students the entire time while she was UQ Union president. And, like, one thing she did when she was president was, like, she hired, like, a CEO to manage the UQ Union for, like, $250,000 a year. And he's the guy who f- effectively runs it. And you can't sack him because, like, it's there's in his contract, there's, like, if he's sacked, he has to have, like, a $500,000 payout. Yeah, right. Oh. So, like, the UQ who Union is, is just run by just, like, this random executive guy. With just like middle management experience, okay, well, and well, they can't sack him. Well, that's hectic. Let's. <laughs> yeah, I want to circle back to that. Yeah, that's that's why bananas. Not, that is why Ethan just can just play Napoleon True. go to war because I like, guess it's maybe why he doesn't run the, the union. Student union feels a little bit hamstrung. Well, yeah, because they run, don't run it. They don't run it. It's run by like corporate executives, mm. and Ethan just goes into the office and plays Napoleon go mm. to war. Now that is the that is the way we're at now, Drew. We'll circle back yeah. to the hearing, of if course, that's okay, of course, yeah. and the allegations, because because I have an allegation to put to you, of course. Because obviously, Henry, you'd agree that the majority of the allegations, at least as it appears to us, as we understand, is Facebook jokes or just comments. Yeah, I that's mean, that's been taken as drawing the university into disrepute in some respect. Mm. Sure. Um, so, for example, this trip, I'll read this yes. out in full, and and listeners who are sensitive to profanity, watch your ears. <laughs> so, Drew, you you did post this on your yes. Facebook, right? You posted, "I hate stupid baif cunts who went to a GPS school." who were basically shocked by the prospect that politics could exist outside the narrow band of thought that is what Dad plus his other rich mates think about the economy. This is why we'll be discontinuing the BAFE program on the Senate. Now, probably my favourite part about this, Drew, is it's our understanding that in the document they then go on to say something effective. Uh, now, we understand the reference to BAFE cunts in this Facebook post is referring to the students of the Bachelor of Advanced <laughs> Finance and Economics Honours Program at the University. Why do you think they don't understand humour? Because it's 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 fundamentally like an exercise in trying to just like like bash me over the head. So they decided like six months ago, we fucking hate Drew because he caused us so much grief. So they were just like go through every single thing on his Facebook and anything that could within the very broad terms of the student charter be used against him, mm. use that to fucking get him. A good, a good example of that yeah. is um, a, a later allegation and one you've spoken about pretty yeah. widely on your socials um, that speaks to that kind of, yeah, padding out their own case, yeah. I suppose, with things that might not be totally relevant to what they actually want to say to you. Um, so, the, the arts shop on campus. Oh. So, uh, for example, this and you being quoted in the media saying this, you used a pen in a shop at campus and you didn't pay for the pen. You put it back on the shelf. And then you said, I think they've put the dumb small stuff there alongside it to give cover to the fact that it's really a politically motivated sort of thing. Now, we'll get to the yeah. we'll get to your politics and yeah. the clash between you and the uni a little later. But um, you do th- that kind of stuff in there. What was your first reaction reading that? And did you <sighs> even like remember this pen incident? How, did, how they, are they across made, this? They've school? made so much hay out of the pen incident. Surely it's just like two dollars, right? Yeah, it was a two dollar fifty, like 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 a pen off a shelf, two dollar fifty pen. And what were you using it for? I was writing it on like a sign. I think this was when I was doing the SpongeBob SquarePants like dumb protesting, where like I went to the UK Liberal Club and I wrote, I held up a sign saying like Krusty Krabs unfair. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so just like the dumbest so, shit ever. So big political moves, obviously, making yeah. waves. And I just did that because I was pissed off at the UQLMP club and I just wanted to like fuck with them. Yeah, right. So mm. I ho- held a real protest, but the content of the pro, like the protest was just like a shit post. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the blending of irony and seriousness. I mean, we could... So sorry to cut you off, but like yes. we could we could go through all day and like go basically go through your Facebook oh, yes, and yes. see like status after status of things where and yeah I think people will have, who don't know you will have heard in this interview like you're not afraid to dish shit out essentially and <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah. like name people and stuff like that and it was yeah. very much your style as it was before you were yeah. elected yeah. you sent it and threatened with expulsion but like you're threatening to oil wrestle Peter Hoy was probably how you first of made a name so I think like there is yes. some despite the fact that you know it's funny that they quote your Bafe stuff in there. It's funny that they're trying to use a pen yeah. as a way to expel someone, but there's actually some pretty scary shit in there. Mm. Um, one of the allegations uh, and that has been floating around a bit is to do with uh, a, a kind of clapback you did at the university. Re, um, well, I'll, I'll might read it in full. So yeah, you read said, it in full. Um, you said it was a Facebook message, and you go, "I guess for UQ, student criticism of Vice Chancellor Peter Hoy is worse and demands more attention than literal campus rape crisis." And another one they quote, which is like, yeah. "UQ have threatened to cancel my enrolment on at least four separate occasions. Meanwhile, open rapists are allowed to continue studying, even sometimes in the same classes as their victims. Normal priorities." So, like, yeah. I mean, and, and as a scary thing that UQ are trying to claim, to my understanding, is that um, essentially by bringing the reputation of the university into disrepute by publicly talking about something that has been a problem, like yeah. misuse of security funding in terms of sexual assault at night on the campus yeah. and obviously worldwide problems with college campus culture. Like, do you think that it's it's pretty fucked up what they've done in what? saying that, like, genuine silencing mm. of the problem and saying that's grounds for expulsion is criticising us in public for something that... Yeah, it's rape culture. Is yes. Fundamentally, yeah. Drew, you were saying to us earlier, like the exact phrasing is it is alleged that these posts prejudice the reputation of the university by indicating to the public that the university <laughs> is unsafe and harbours a rape culture. But just, the just, fucking point is that it does have a fucking rape culture. Yeah, that's that's what speaking yeah. like it should prejudice the university <laughs> if people are suffering through sexual assault on campus, which we know they are. They yeah. said they seem to be saying in the dossier, like you seem to be implying we have a rape, rape culture. And you're like, I'm not implying that. I'm saying I'm it. Saying I'm it. saying yeah. like, like, mark my fucking words right now. UQ has a rape culture and many people on campus are not fucking safe. Mm. 100%. Yeah. And, and to think as a university that the way to deal with it is to silence those comments is insane. And that's why I really yeah. feel for it when a lot of the talk online about these allegations is it's particularly ironic that people are saying, look, we don't know what Drew's done. What if he has some skeletons in his closet? One of the skeletons oh, yeah. is accusing the university of covering up campus rape. And their response to that accusation is, well, let's cover this up further. Yeah, that, that is bizarre. actually That actually fucking infuriates me, to be honest. You know, I'm a passionate person. That's very obvious, I suppose, yeah. to a lot of people and who cover my stuff. Like, I feel very passionately about the fact that a lot of women on campus, a lot of women who are my friends, you know, like, aren't safe. Mm. I know so many women who, like, you know, have literally been forced to, like, be in the same classes as, like, past abusers and stuff like that. Yeah. I know women who, Despite like, raising that with the uni. Yeah, yeah. And... Mate, and colleges alone are... Colleges are appalling. sick. There was a huge, like, report in Australia two or three years ago mm. that was meant to be a huge yeah. reckoning for colleges and their rape yeah. culture. You Read clearly, the fucking red zone message. reports, you stupid cunts. Literally. literally. Mm. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, good. good. Yeah, oh, God, read yeah, the man. fucking red zone report, cunts. Yeah. We, we slap an explicit label on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, uh... it, it's just fucking insane. Like, 
it's well documented that UQ yeah. has had this really terrible crisis for years. Do they think it will go away if we just silence it? And it's funny how, like, so, uh, their approach to their resources and time, it's quite... Yeah, it's bored under the spotlight in that they didn't, yeah, read the Red Zone Report or, like, yeah. implement changes into things that they knew were problems, but they have the time and the resources, apparently, to put together a 186-page dossier yeah. that yes. the majority of which is going through an undergrad's Facebook and getting yeah. fucking screenshots. And I, I, I know, like, a do like, the dossier was read by, like, a lawyer. Yeah. And they were, like, in my opinion, it probably would have cost them you know, thirty, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in legal fees with like Clayton Oots or whatever to oh, like yeah. compile this whole hundred and eighty six page legal document. Mate, even if they just had like some podunk associate looking over it, that's it would have taken weeks. Five, six hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. How many, this together. how many solar powered lights could you have yeah. near, near the Green Bridge with uh, well, like, with that money? Like to put together this document, it goes back months and months. Goes back to some of your greatest hits, mate. Like the Ian Trin <laughs> stuff's in there. Like that is old. That is vintage. <laughs> I would say something else that you were telling us about off air that like the there's a particularly scary part once it gets through these eleven allegations yeah. that they've put to you, and it gets to later on where they're talking about the process of what the disciplinary hearing. Now that that hearing was meant to be yesterday, and yeah. they, they've pushed it forward. Mm. So you don't you don't have a rescheduled idea. So what happened was, um, I I got my legal representative to like request an extension. Yeah. And UQ was like, yes, we'll agree to like a three week extension. And like, but they put in like some dumb technicality, like, but you have to respond by like such and such at this time, or it's not going to count. Yeah. And I sent off right. the, I sent off the document to my lawyer and I was just waiting for my lawyer to respond. And they didn't respond, I guess, in the time when the time in which UQ had allowed. As in Tony. Or yeah. Well, I fought it to Tony's office or whatever. Yeah. And like, and I was still waiting for a hear back. And then UQ messaged me and they were like, because you haven't responded in the time frame we gave you, which was just like a completely arbitrary date. They just said, um, we won't now, we will now not allow the three week extension. We will inform you a new date and time for your hearing. Yeah. And this was on Friday. It's now we're recording this Tuesday night. So it's been like, you know, four and a half days later yeah. or whatever. And the hearing was meant to be on Monday. For, yeah. for people so listening it's, in. It's been four and a half days since UQ said, yes, we will provide you a new hearing date and time. Yeah. Because think, because we don't we we think that you didn't respond in our mm. allotted arbitrary time. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's been four and a half days. I, I don't know when yeah. the hearing will be, what time it will be. I honestly believe they're trying to fuck me over, trying to ensure that, you know, I don't have time to tell Tony, my legal representative, the Queen's Council. Like, this is when the hearing is. Yeah. They obviously know barristers are very busy. Yeah. So, if they can just fuck around on the time as much as possible, obviously, Tony can't put in a date. Yeah. So, I mean, like... And they've already, they've already like, been on the record emailing me saying, yeah. we, we reserve the right to refuse you legal representation. Well, which is that's, that's exactly insane. what you've we anticipated. Like, yeah. bro, it's the most so you, damning thing so of this whole document is this principle UQ has. Yeah. I so don't you, understand it. Like, just, what just sorry mean? before you say for our yeah. listeners like so essentially uh, and a big part of your online thing has been this is a kangaroo court this yeah. uni disciplinary hearing like they have said we you know you are allowed to bring a representative with you but keep in mind if that representative is legally qualified the decision maker so the university's mm. kind of 
the person overseeing this disciplinary hearing, uh, that that decision maker has the discretion to reject them from the hearing, like kick them out only, only if, if they're legally qualified. So, so if you're yeah, like, if your mum's a they, lawyer what? and you just want her for emotional support, the uni will reserve the right. Or more concerningly, for a university, this is a huge disciplinary thing. Now they must be shooting themselves in the foot here because Drew, if you go yeah. before them without a lawyer and they've rejected you legally, you know. Yeah, uh, qualified support person. That both looks terrible for the uni, and it throws the whole idea of a fair hearing into disarray. I know it's you personally fair, yeah. don't feel like you're going to get a fair hearing, and I think a lot yeah. of people would agree with that. But if the uni at least wants to look like it, then they shouldn't have this like 1300s <laughs> Earl John and his barons approach of oh, if your uh, if your person is a lawyer, then we can reject them. We yeah. don't want anyone here who actually understands what's going on in the proceeding. You know what they emailed me? They emailed me saying like. Um, if you want your legal representative to be present, you have to email us like a full thing outlining their legal qualifications <laughs> and their legal experience. Oh, so like, very well, uh, <laughs> pretty. Uh, the Queen so, and his, her <laughs> counsel. <laughs> so I guess like, how does that work? So maybe they would let they would let me have a solicitor. But maybe if it's a Queen's yeah, Council. Not a que- oh, no, it'll be a bit harder to fuck Drew in the ass. Yeah. So just, we can't allow him. <laughs> yeah. They, get, they like, get worried if the lawyer's too good. Yeah, like, they have a, they get worried if they've got a post-nominal n- yeah, yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. But like, we're joking around, but like truly that is a fucked thing that they've put yeah. in this d- document that like, oh, if we fear that someone is legally qualified who might be able to point out how much of an obvious farce and politically motivated yeah. expulsion this is, then, oh, we have the right to kick them out. It's literally being, you know, it's like if the Broncos were like, oh, if um, if Jonathan Thurston's playing for Cowboys, oh, he's not allowed to now. Yeah, he's like, too good. Anyone who threatens you us know, it's can't not come a, in. It's not a perfect analogy, but it gives off to me the same vibe as the court from The Dark Knight Rises where they're like, death <laughs> or exile. And he's like, death. All right, death by exile. Making hoi Bane? I, th- I don't. Yeah, I don't know who's Killian <laughs> no, Murphy. Bane. You're Bane. He's Bane. Bane. He's Bane. I just think it's got that same level of you know jurisprudential uh, quality mm. to it. Like the idea that they can reject legal representation at a hearing that you know for most young people, university is the most important thing in their life, and their degree yeah. is one of the most important things they'll do. To take that away from someone should be an incredibly high bar. And the you university know what happens is if I it- am expelled? Yeah. So yeah, I was going to talk yeah. about that. What's the procedure? Like, so this happens? is the procedure. Um, I've spent probably about twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars on my degree yeah. so far. You you graduate at the end of this year, otherwise, uh, or I, next year. I will graduate at the end of my Bachelor of Arts this yes, year. Yes, yes. But I'll be going to honors next year. Okay, cool. So I'll still be at UQ next year, but yeah. like I've spent twenty-five to thirty grand on this degree mm. because like I had the brief foray into law, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the dipping the toe in the yeah, water the and dip- going, oh, I fucking hate this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so like yeah, I've I've been here for four years now. Twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars has been spent. Yeah, you're just you're just cast out in your ass. Mm. There's no, I don't think you can get credit for anything you've Huge. done. Huge, and twenty like thirty thousand dollars just gone. There's no, they they've literally got a, there's a section in the like student charter where it comes to expulsion. Like, yeah, you can't have any. There's no process for um, refunding you any of the money you spent at UQ. And you're pretty on the record saying you don't think they would have prepared this document if they weren't ready to pull the trigger. Well, like, of course do you not. reckon it's, they've pretty much made up their mind? Of course. Like, this document would have been months in the making. It's 186 pages. They would have spent probably, they would have spent tens of thousands of dollars preparing it. Yeah. Like what? Like what is the purpose of sending me this unless you want to expel me? Hundred percent. I mean, like yeah. this isn't what you do to scare off a student. But what the document has brought about, Drew, and something you wanted to bring yeah. up, um, is 
an outpouring of support. Obviously, we've talked yeah. about Tony. We've talked about the uh, the petition with over twenty thousand signatures. Um, twenty four thousand. Yeah, yeah twenty four thousand wow. now. That's uh, just for the record. I find it hilarious that. The little, oh no, Proctor U shouldn't be in exams petition. <laughs> Got like 3,000 likes and the union were doing backflips. And you look at Drew's petition with 24K and I'm like, well, that's where the bar's at, guys. Well, this is what happened. Like the UQ union, they couldn't back me because Ethan's faction is going to be facing me in October if I mm. stay as a student. Yeah. And they don't want to lose to me. So they want me to be expelled. Because you're going to run for union president. Yeah, I, I've already said... Like, I'm running for UQ Union president. It's been an open secret for, like, three, four months now, but I've, I posted it the other day. Yeah. And, like, Ethan and co literally just want me to be expelled so that they don't have to run against me because I beat them. Do you reckon you'd win? Of course, I think. I, I, I wouldn't go in if I didn't believe we could why, win. Why do you reckon you'd win? Because I think, like, we have a better way of connecting with students. Yeah. And, like, for example, like, the Senate campaign, like, I won 2,000 votes. I did that with two... Like, it was just me... And my 17-year-old mate at the time, Dilby, yeah. just our Dylan keyboard. Dylan only 17? Yeah. Well, Dylan's 18 now. Okay. But he was 17 when he was helping me as a oh, campaign. seriously? Heck and everyone just, like, all my mates just, like, were, like, they saw that I was versing Georgia and Gabby and they are like, oh, yeah, I don't want to, like, sort of mess up, like, our relations with Georgia and Gabby. Georgia so just, being the sitting union president. Yeah. So, someone with a fair bit of sway and experience. Well, I, I was... Yeah, I someone was, who you'd probably expect to win. Well, I was going against the sitting UQ union president... And the preceding sitting UQ Union president. Jo- so you were a long shot. Yeah. So Gabby, basically the past three student union presidents were running against me. So like Gabby, star, the 2017 UQ yeah. Union president, she was running like literally as a person against me. Um, the 2018 UQ Union president, um, no, that was, Jeremy. Was he running? No, but he was managing his girlfriend, Georgia's campaign. Uh, and then- That's cute. Like yeah. That. And then Georgia- the, the sitting UQ Union mm. president was sitting against me. And then the previous Senator, Zach Thomas, was also managing, like, George's campaign. So, basically, like, the entire student so the politics... the machine was yeah, against you. The entire mean? student politics machine against me. Like, Georgia had hundreds of dollars in ad money that she could use and she could draw... Hundreds? Upon- yeah, she... Like, from the Labour Party. Hectic. And they had 30, 40 campaigners from, like, Young Labour on campus and stuff. And they had, like, pizza parties where, like, they got everyone to, like, message all their mates and get them to vote for Georgia and stuff. It was just me and Dilby, and Dilby's, like, 17, and it was just us shitposting. We got 2,000 votes. I spent nothing. I had no campaign behind me. No party backed me. We got 2,000 votes and, like, one in a landslide. Do you know how much the real... The ticket that won the UQ Union presidency, like, for this year, they re- it was in October, the elections. Mm. Real, like Ethan's ticket, they spent probably about $15,000. Are you serious? And this was like money from property developers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally property v- developers. Many people like have said like property developers funded this campaign. Which is interesting um, because Queensland passed legislation after something called the Belcar yeah. Report banning the- property developers from donating to political parties. But this is how it works. So, this is so how- are they donating to the young iterations of yes, these people? exactly. Shit, that's crafty. Well, you... Okay, if you're a property developer, you can't donate to the Liberal yep. Party. So, maybe you just donate to the young version of the Liberal Party. So true, because the legislation wouldn't cover real it, in the same way yeah, it covers and the it, Liberal Party. Well, there's literally no campaign finance rules with UQ Union. True. And yeah, like you curry favour with the Liberal Party by helping the young ones. Yeah. And then when they get yeah. in, wow, that's... I mean, to a lot of people... That's a very ingenious way for well, the property developers it's to get around that, the legislation. Well, yeah, it's health. how property developers can curry favour with the yeah. senior party. by like Because traditionally, senior parties spend about ten to $15,000 on these campaigns at yeah. UQ Union level. 
which is insane because that like, is just so much money. I know, like that is like more than they sometimes spend on council elections. I was going like, to say, if you feel like a council seat's a bit of a loser, you're not going to drop 15000 yeah. on it. Like, council seat campaigns literally have less money put into them. And the council d- deals with billions of dollars. UQ Union deals with, like, tw- a tw- is a $20 million organisation, but the parties will consistently put in ten to fifteen grand into it. So, I mean, to a lot, I mean, uh, to a lot of our listeners who aren't, like, at UQ or even at uni, this, is, this all would sound fucking insane. Yeah, like, it is insane. Wait, but it literally is insane. politics, yeah. but, like, saying, just being, like... Oh, there's why it's just uni. You're just there to get a degree and you know drink some piss. Why is it such a big you, deal? Like the you, but what what about what do you think it was about? And you obviously campaigned yeah. in a very different way, as you said earlier. You're saying you're going to wrestle Peter Hoy, blah yeah, blah, yeah. blah blah. Like, what do you? Why do you think you beat them? Do you think students are just fed up with rolling their eyes at people who, as you said earlier, are using this as sort of a political training ground, a dress rehearsal? And and yeah. just on that, Drew, do you think people? earnestly respond more to your ideas and your history of activism or the way you go about doing things and the way you upset the system? Yeah. Like, do you think that getting elected to the Senate was a mandate for what you believe in or is it a mandate for the way you believe campaigns should be run? I think both. But I'll, I'll try to address both these questions. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it, it is crazy. Like, the reason why so much money is put into them is because, like, we've got a closed primary system here in Australia. Mm. Like, we don't have open primaries, so, like, you know how Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like, blasts in with an open primary and just defeats, like, the establishment Democrat? We don't have that in Australia, so, like, if you want to be a Labour MP, you've got to be in the machine for 20 years. Same with the Liberals. Be and a union like, lawyer. Yeah, and, and, like, the student unions, I guess, are, like, sort of, like, the pathway within which parties sort of, like, try and drive talent. Like, it's kind of, like, the first starting ground, so that's why it's so important, I guess. And yeah, like they put in $15,000, real put in, the real LMP ticket put in about $15,000 of this campaign. They won 15,000 votes. No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, that's quite, no, that's quite a lot. No, 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 <laughs> sorry, sorry. So they put $15,000 into the campaign and they won 3,000 votes. And what I was going to say is, yeah, I won 2,000 votes with zero money and it was just me and Dilby. We had no campaign. It was just me and my mate just with a keyboard. And... Do you I think, think they would have gotten more votes if they just took that money and offered to give $5 to every single person? Yeah, probably. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. That's kind of what it is spent on anyway, though, because, like, they'll have... Yeah, true. Because, because a lot of these campaigns, because they can't actually motivate people by, like, ideas or, like, the politics that they're arguing for, like, literally the motivator will just be, like, oh, campaign so you can come to, like, the end after party. Like, you come to, like, the closing party the of the campaign too. and the bar tab's, like, five grand. Yeah. Mm, and yeah. that's literally what the part the party developers do. Now, the property developers. Now, Drew, I have, a, I have yeah. a question on that as well as uh, you know about them wasting money and you having obviously such a small campaign. Do you think something that played into it at all is the fact that you're quite young? So, so you're twenty. Yeah. We're the same age, and you use social media to, to be honest, breathtaking effect. Like you, you. understand shit posting. Now, George Melroy and Gabby Starr are a little bit older than us, right? Yeah. Do you think what played into it is you understood the power of social media? Yeah. Not from a Facebook ad perspective, but how do you get traction on shit? Yeah. It's a very hard question. Because Businesses can't answer it. Because, like, I don't know. It's not something I guess you can really learn. And it's not really, like, I didn't go, like, through a course or anything to, like, learn how to use Facebook and social media and stuff. No, it's lame as shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just... And, like, that's how businesses view Facebook and social media. Like, mm. oh, you've got to do a course into, in it or whatever. Like, it's just, I guess my skill with social media just literally comes from the fact that, like, from, like, grade seven, all I've ever done is just social mm. media, you know? Yeah. And, like, 
you can say that's like, oh, that's loserish or whatever, but like, it's kind of, I think, just our age. Oh, literally, it's all I've done, man. I had, yeah. a, I had Snapchat when I was like in year six. Yeah, like, I think we were, of, we were probably like the first kind of like age that went into universities and stuff who have just been raised completely on yeah. social media and completely online. Well, I'm almost shocked of like how many of like Henry and that age, for lack of a better word, like we all have like thousands of Instagram followers because year fives from our school would follow. Yeah, yeah. Follow each other. Look at someone Henry's age. You look at their 300 followers and going, how much of a goober were you, mate? 24-year-old. Do you think like, I mean, yeah, you've said it. You were, you, not only were you younger, but like you, you've touched on the fact that you're just posting shit about like, I'm going to get rid of the fucking BAFE program. I'm going to wrestle yeah. with the hoy. <laughs> yeah. Like, whereas there are people who, and you know, Georgia, Georgia, for example, and uh, I don't know, I didn't pay as much attention to Gabby, but you know, she was... Gabby uh, ran a Chinese social media campaign that literally said, Drew's a separatist, vote for me to stop Drew's really? campaign. I do want to yes. get, we'll, we'll get to we'll China. We'll get to China. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, there's, so, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. We're not dodging China. Yeah, yeah. We will get to China, but I, I guess like Georgia, for example, was, yeah. you know, regardless of where you come down and are like a very active UQ Union president. Yeah. So you would say that like you were up against the UQU and you won, you beat them. Do you think that like that ties into where you currently stand in that the union have come out and said, we're not going to comment on Drew's yeah, case, even though it looks like the uni are trying to silence a student. Yeah, it's part do, of that. Do you think the union are abandoning you because you basically gave them, well, you made them look silly. Yeah, You made experience yeah. and funding look silly in the face of you posting literal fucking memes. Yeah, yeah. Like, see, this is the thing. Like, I had a really good working relationship with Georgia and I still respect her and stuff, but like, like, I guess her and some of... And the responses of her and some of her friends to us beating them was pretty insane. Like, Zach Thomas literally, like, when I saw him on the day, Zach's... Like, it, it's kind of like a famous anecdote now in, like, yeah. student politics history because, like, when Zach first saw me on the day and saw that I was, like, I had won and me and my mates were, like, just, like, singing, like, Campion! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like, Zach just, like, literally went mental and he was just, like, shut the fuck up, Drew. Like... <laughs> like <laughs> And like, because he was so pissed that I That's had succeeded funny. him, because he had he had treated it so seriously. He oh, would have been so set on it. He like like so in twenty seventeen he was like he won the Senate election, and it was like with seven hundred votes, so it was like half like what I got, and he did it like just through backroom deals, like he had the Labor Club endorse him, the LNP Club endorse him, all this like just sort all of the, all so the cool annoyed kids. him. I guess I guess like as well to play devil's advocate a little bit in terms of what you know, the union have come out and, you know, certain friends of yours have come out and said, we don't want people who disagree with you, it should be noted, have said, we don't think Drew should be expelled, but he should be disciplined. We're not seeing mm. the extent of what he's done. And I guess the word bully is getting... Is getting yeah, that's around. used and a lot. You've, you've used a lot. Like, I guess, like, are you a bully? No, I don't believe I'm a bully. Like, in the past, I have lashed out too harshly at people. And that's just partly because, like, you know, I am a human being. I'm not some, like, evil... I think in the hack imagination, it's, like, Drew's this evil, like, sort of, like, evil psychopath who, like, just gets joy in, like, just torturing people or whatever. But, like, I'm just, like, a human being, you know? Like, like I carry a lot of, like, pain and stuff just from personal shit. Yeah. Mm. Like, I'm, I've been pretty open, you know, like, throughout the, throughout the years. Like, like, I've got a student access plan at UQ. And that's just, like, because, like, I've got, like, severe depression, anxiety and stuff. And I've always had it, basically, since I was, like, grade two. Like, I've always sort of, like, struggled with a lot of stuff personally, you know? And, like, so, I guess people would niggle me in pretty harsh ways. Like, people taunted me about my mate Wilson's suicide. Hmm. Some of these hacks taunted me and about that, it. And that's sort of where... And, and the uni have thrown this back yeah. in your face a little bit, where... The way I, I guess the eat glass thing has yeah. been said. And some of, some of your... 
comments that they've really highlighted, you've said, look, these are in responses to people talking about one of the more difficult and painful things to have. And on a face value life. reading of some of you'd say, oh, Drew said eat glass, you know, maybe that's maybe crossed that's the line there, but yeah. you think it was... See, this is, this is what happened, like, I, I regret what I said, you know, but I think any reasonable person would understand where I came from. So, like, this was really shortly after my mate Wilson's suicide, and that was obviously, like, one of the most tragic things. That's happened at UQ, mm. yeah. you know, in so long, and, like, he was a close mate of mine. I had dinner with him, like, two nights before. Yeah. Like, so... Monday morning is when I found out about what happened. I had dinner with Wilson on Sunday night. No, on Saturday night, sorry. Like, I had a Uyghur rally in the city. Yeah. And so many... This is the thing, like, about Wilson. Like, you know, like, he, he was actually, like... He was always portrayed as this evil, really, like, terrible guy or whatever. The bully as well. Yeah. But, like, he actually had a pretty good heart of gold. Like, that Uyghur rally... I cared so much about that Uyghur rally. It's one of the issues I care about so much, obviously. It's like, it, I staked my presidency. I mean, I, I, mean, I staked my U Senate thing mm. on it. Like, I'm donating, I donated the entire $50,000 salary to, like, trying to do human rights work with the Uyghurs and stuff like that. And that was just because, like, I know Uyghurs personally. I know yeah. Uyghurs personally and, like, just listening to, like, the stories of, like, their families back home and stuff. It's absolutely, it just it, it changes something in you, you know? Mm. And I care so much. I cared so much about the Uyghur issue. And so I tried to organize, like, a rally in January in Brisbane and I, and I asked so many mates to come along, you know, and like people who had previously come to protests, like who had spoken at my previous protests and stuff, who had like made a big show and dance about trying to like being really like pro, like what we were doing and stuff. And in hindsight, they just like jumped, jumped on the, for the wave and then were gone. Cause like some of these people who like back in July when it first blew up, they were so keen to like go like, oh yeah, we'll help you organize. We'll, we'll, we'll speak at the rally. We'll organize yeah, the rally for you. Cause you stuff. were getting headlines. In yeah. The yeah. Post. And then like, and then these mates, like four or five months later, I say like, Hey, I'm doing this week rally. Like, please come along. And it was, it was a struggle. A lot of them just were like, like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll come. And then they just didn't come. And then some people came and then like they left after five minutes to go to the pub with their mates. That hurts a lot, you know? Cause it's like the issue, the issue is basically like something I think about like so much. And so, and so I guess like and he came that, that's the thing Wilson like, was there yeah, yeah. Right. like Wilson didn't have to and he came and stayed the entire time and then after we got like dinner at the pub and we just had a great chat and laugh and we were just talking about politics all night and then he said like see you later and I was like see you mate and he just walked off and then the thing happened with that protest he yeah. did the mo next morning I had no idea he was going to do that I woke up to that news and I was horrified and then the next morning I wake up to the even worse news that's that's like and people kind of took to social media and were they accusing you of what so like being opportunistic about yeah the, like your friend's death or like do, what what yeah, was it what were they ladling was there a perception because you and Wilson were on really different sides of the ideological spectrum that people used that as an opportunity to niggle away at you this is the thing like I actually lost a lot of friends for being friends with Wilson mm. because there were so many like people who like we i guess we shared the same sort of like left-wing progressive values and stuff but they were like oh i just can't countenance you being mate to the wilson i lost friends because that you know so like i stood by wilson even though it and you was weren't a, saying what he did obviously what he did oh, at well, the drag queen brunch was a i really i hated what he did you know you hated what he did yeah, yeah. You, you woke up to what you said yeah was terrible news so like I, yeah like i lost I was good friends with Wilson. Like I lost friends for being with Wilson, and yet I continued to be friends with Wilson. Did you? Did and people you? messaged me the day, people messaged me the morning of the drag queen story time thing, and said like, 
oh, Drew, like, this should surely be the moment where you cut Wilson off forever. Just tell him to fuck off. And, like... It's a very binary view of friendship. And, like, and I told those people to fuck off, you know? And then, like... And as you said, you got passionate and now that's some of the stuff UQ are quoting. I'm interested to know as well, like, and as someone who didn't know Wilson, but, like, regardless of where you stand on any side of politics, obviously... It's, it was a tragedy. Yeah. Did you... So, and, and there was a lot of, I noticed at the time, like social media outpouring post the, the tragedy. Was there a bit of you that was just like, I'm fucking done. I'm done with social media. I'm done with... Because a lot of, you know, in the hours leading up to the tragedy, like it, it, those UQ student politics groups and fucking UQ stalker space were alive. They were fucking alive. Was, it, was there part of you, as someone who built your brand on social mm. media, who just was like... I want to get out. So, see, this is the thing, like, Wilson was always the bulletproof one, you know? Mm. I talked to him a couple hours after the sort of drag queen story time thing, and I said, like, what are you going to do? This is fucked. Even right-wing people are condemning you. And he was like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, we'll keep going. So, I just always thought he was, like, the bulletproof one. And we always joked, like, he was elected to the LNP presidency the same day I was elected to the UQ Senate. Yep. And we actually, Two very chaotic yeah, candidates. Yeah, yeah, and and people like, and people noted that people were like, "This is the day it finally changes forever." Because like, just, like, <laughs> yeah. like it was Will Saeem and Drew together, and like we sort of had this chaotic alliance in a way, even though we disagreed on so much on political stuff. Like we we're just mates, and like we just had a laugh, and we also did, we didn't like the same hacks and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, like. Wait, sorry, I, I lost my train of thought. Just in general, it was saying like, were you were you. You know, as someone who's obviously oh, yeah. built a oh, yeah. brand you driven away. Media, yeah, you, no, you so I, I remember, yeah, so... Yeah, when it, when it happened, it was like... Part of me was like... Yeah. This is really fucked because it's like... He was the bulletproof one. Mm. And in the months before, we we always just joked like... Oh, like, we're all bulletproof. Like, because I had a group chat with Wilson and our mates and stuff. And, and we'd just joke about like how we're going to destroy the hacks. And like, we were bulletproof or whatever. And then like, it resulted in death, you know. And that was part... And that was kind of like a... That was a bit of a wake-up call where it was like, yeah, like if you you think you're bulletproof, but you're not really. Mm-hmm. And like, and so what happened though, like was like, I, I talked to the project and stuff like about his death. I tried to memorialize it in a positive way. And like, and after like Wilson's friends like messaged me and said like, it was really touching and like, and Wilson's family reached out to me and stuff. And that was really touching. But some people in student politics, like, you know, like, and it was really frustrating because some of these people, like, had been on really bad terms with Wilson towards the end. Like, like they had been so cruel to him. And he had probably done bad things to them too. Like, they, they were just enemies or whatever. But they decided to use, like, the fact that I'd gone on the project to, like, taunt me about his, like, exploiting his death. So, like, the thing was, like, oh, like, you don't care about Wilson. All the people I was closest with, like, their lives had just been shattered by this. I was just... I was myself destroyed, you know. I was so... I was it just such a bad place. At the time, I was trying to pretend like I was fine and that I, I could keep going and stuff, but like... I guess there'd be a pressure on you to, to be the strong one with such a public profile. I don't know. Like, well, I tried to be there for my friends who were even closer with him, who were like closer to Wilson than I was. So I was trying to be there for them. So that's why it was a little bit difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. And like... Like, these people were just trying to say like, you're exploiting his death or whatever like what does an ordinary person do in that situation yeah. maybe they just put, take that shit and they go off and cry but that's not the type of person I was I just responded like the way I always have responded to people like 
putting shit on me. I hit back, you know. Mm. Like these people were saying, you exploited your mate's death for fame. This was three, four days after like the death. Like I was in the worst place ever. I wasn't just going to like go like, oh yeah, you're right. And then yeah. go off into the corner and cry. I just said, fuck off, cunts, eat glass. Yeah. And, and I like, mean, <laughs> yeah, they might be tough comments, but certainly because i think most people can really fucking understand, understand. like Absolutely. yeah totally did you find that like i mean and you what what obviously happened was uq screenshotted that and put yeah, that in and, the dossier and, and they completely took out, out of context yeah and they took out the context of wilson's death or whatever yeah. and they just said like drew's telling students to eat glass or whatever yeah. this is proof he's a bully and, and even more disturbing is potentially the idea that you know uq aren't just being ignorant in this context they know they've made a concerted decision to say either uh, we don't know about the context or we they knew the context. this is bad enough without the context. They knew the entire context because literally the preceding comment. I've gone back to the... Yeah. So that, I've got the screenshots here in that big dossier. Yeah. And you can go back to the original post and comments and literally the preceding comment... It flows. Yeah, it flows. Mm. So it's like someone saying, you're exploiting Wilson's death for fame. And yeah. then I literally just respond to that person, tag them and say, fuck off, eat glass. Do you find that like... Yeah, and I mean, we'll pivot into back into yeah yeah soon bro but like do do you find that like it's just i know i know i know like for me something that i find is like even when i've said something slightly controversial on twitter or something like that i feel like i get a bit nervous and sick in my stomach and stuff and i guess there are like this is the literal worst case scenario of young people on social media are you do you find that like i was so sick are you and like do you find now do you ever get do you ever get scared? Do they scare you, these people? Whether, who, whether when this happened, I was scared. Or, like, I know you received a lot of death threats. Like, yeah. like, you live, at least, from my perspective, like, quite a scary life. Like, yeah. does it scare you to take <sighs> these risks, to be this rebel? I know you said yeah. to one of the news outlets, I love this, I'd do this for the rest of my life. You know, I'd, I'd die for Hong Kong. Yeah. But does it, does it scare you? That's, you that's a difficult thing because it's like, Obviously, like, I, I want to be, like, the tough guy and the rebel and the revolutionary or whatever. But obviously, at the end of the day, I am human. And, like, I can't pretend everything that's happened the past nine months, like, didn't have impacts on me. It does have an impact on you when, like, you get hundreds of death threats, you know? People saying, like, we'll rape your mum, kill you, torture you in front of... Torture your family in front of you, then kill you. We'll find your house, we'll kill you. Like, yeah. And this was from people, yes, in mainland China. So I'm not scared about people in mainland China. What are they going to do? But it was also people in Brisbane, Australia. So I guess oh, that's I'd probably pretty, a good. I'd be pretty fucking scared if people in mainland and, China and said what, that. To and, me, and what does my parent like? What do my family do when this happens? Like, mm. as probably most families would do, they say like, maybe we need to have a conversation about up. you moving out. Yeah, right. Because like, either you stop your activism or like you have to leave because you're endangering the family. And, the and I've got like younger brothers and sisters. That that sort of thing, it destroys you, you know? Like, yeah, it did. I care so much about my family. I love my family so much. And, like, but I also care about this p- p- issue so much, like, like the Uyghurs and stuff like that. Like, I would genuinely well, the die. the Uyghurs have families. Exactly. Like, I genuinely would die for, like, those, like, for, like, the issue of Uyghurs and stuff like that. Because I genuinely care so much about it. So, I can't stop the activism. But then, at the same time, it takes such a tremendous toll as well on your mental health. I was already someone who had, like, severe anxiety and depression. I think part of that is why I went so hard into activism in the first place. Cause it was like, you're sort of like seeking out, I guess mm. if I, if I was like sort of trying to psychologize it or whatever, like psychoanalyze it. Yeah. Um, like part of it is like, I guess like you're in such a bad place. So you, you're seeking out something to like, make you feel like sort of alive mm. again, I guess. And I guess also like making healing other people. 
Yeah, and feel like that. You, you are struggling to heal yourself and be in a better place yourself at the very least. That energy can yeah. be external. It can be into fixing these issues. Because there were times where, like, I have been, like, suicidal in the past, you know? And it was, like, it was, like, activism that gave me a cause in my life yeah. that was, like, this is, like... Well, certainly a cause that, you know, you've welcomed with open arms. Because it would, like, there were... Probably for, like, most of my time at university, 2017, 2018, most of 2019, like, like because I had those really dark like times with mental health and stuff like that like i didn't really like life i really sort of didn't want to be there and it was like sort of like activism that sort of like gave me a purpose it was like this is why i want to live because it's and like that, and that activism is tied to was was most brought into the public eye um within the union without of um hong kong yeah and the mm. protests that were happening in hong kong now uh, and you mentioned the Uyghur and um, the people in that. And so, mainland China death threats. So yeah. all the, these death threats have come mainly from the China issue. Now, to, to open this and discussion... Like, and that, like, just going back to the Wilson thing, like, UQ knows I've got this like history of mental health problems because yeah. it, it, yeah, yeah. it has my student access plan. It knows I've got all those death threats. It knows my... It, UQ knew knows my life. Though. Yeah, UQ, well, UQ, UQ knew I was in a really bad place. They knew that I was responding to people taunting me about my mate's death. They knew I'd just received death threats. My life was like falling apart in that sense. Yeah. And they sent me a 186 page document. Really, it makes you wonder like, were they thinking about my safety yeah. and my health? Well, it's not looking out for the welfare of a student. Now, yeah. this 186 page document, and you, when I first you at least terrified. say, and to be honest, it looks like it's in plain sight. It's subtext. They're trying to silence you for your activism on China. Now, to open this, yeah. you're not Chinese. No, I'm not. Why, why was Hong <laughs> let's, Kong. Yeah, let's clear that up. Why, yeah. why was Hong Kong the issue? What drew, you to, what drew you to this? Dare I say, Drew, yeah. like, not, not speaking to the development of your ideology, but it's probably fair to say it used to be, like, let's say, 2017-18, probably a more general centre-left type. Yeah, but I was radicalised, Not a, a neo-lib, but... Uh, but that no, I actually think I, I think I was a neo-lib. You probably were, to be honest, um, yeah, no, as, as, we all, as we all See, are. that's the thing, like... So when I first got into politics, like, that was, like, Bernie 2015 and stuff, yeah. and I was, like, a full-on sort of just, like, socialist and stuff. Yeah. And then... In response to his defeat, I sort of like became centrist, like neoliberal. I was reading The yeah. Economist and stuff. Just became all moderate. I was mates with like moderate liberal types. Like I wasn't political or radical or anything. But I guess like if you haven't been paying attention in the past like year and a half, mm. like and haven't like been affected by events in the world and what's happening, like and what particularly uh, about China was yeah. it? Yeah. So so then you were yeah. drawn to Hong Kong and so it, that, it's, that famous July protest yeah. last year. So it was like, it, it wasn't just Hong Kong. It was also like, I guess, the issue of the Uyghur Muslims. I guess a lot of it comes from first principles for me, like in my history degree and stuff like that. Like I, I really value like, you know, like academics and I, I'm really passionate about the subjects I do study, like philosophy, history, literature and stuff. And my history studies, like, I guess I've focused, I've done some pretty like lengthy research, like into like the Rwandan genocide and stuff like that. And it was always just like, it was the th part that always stuck out to me was like the world knowing a genocide was happening, but mm. like consciously choosing to look the other way. And it was like always, I guess what I always felt when I was doing that research was like, surely when this happens again, because obviously genocide will inevitably re rear its ugly head again in history. When this happens again, mm. surely I will not be one of the ones who turn away. Yeah. Like I will try and... And you definitely, you definitely didn't turn away. And I guess so. yeah, it you accumulated were. in this July protest where you were protesting about the uh pro um the other protests going on in hong kong against yeah the, um, it was a it was, so, a, it was a co protest and then way. you yeah. were and you were in the you were punched by a chinese student and that's where it i watched it. i watched yeah. the video again the other day yeah gee they come out of nowhere the I know, and there were two of them like they look over to each They're other pretty strong as well yeah like strong Man, I would have been big blokes bricks. yeah 
And like, you know, Yuku did an investigation into them and they were never able to ascertain like their identity. They weren't students. And like Clive Hamilton and experts in CCP influence in Australia and stuff and Clive Hamilton, like they've said like, well, it's very likely that it was like, it, they were heavy set by the consulate to fuck things up. So it... They did the, their job. They they punched it. Yeah. So yeah. just to just for I'm going to give the elevator pitch. Yeah, of yeah. Why? So you've come out. You've done. You've put UQ in the news by doing these protests on behalf of Hong Kong. And I wasn't even necessarily radical at this time. I felt so so passionately about. I felt so passionate about like the injustices that were occurring in Hong Kong and the injustices that were occurring against the Uyghur people. But I wasn't like a full on radical at this point because yeah. I still believed like you know like. I still believed like you could change things through like the system, I guess. Like like electoral politics. Yeah, I still get believe where we want and exactly. I I so, so I wasn't like a full on radical at this time, and like it's important to emphasize that like I didn't really embark on a path where I was like I'm going to be an activist for the rest of my life from this protest yeah. or whatever. I went into that protest. It was really poorly organized. It was like 15 to 20 of my mates. Yeah, and like it was not well organized at all. I like frantically like took a you like a megaphone out of the UK yeah. union offices ran back to my mates it started like half an hour Famous late loud hailer. yeah and like it started like half an hour late like this was not a well organized like sort of like like this was not a well organized protest it wasn't ever least, intended to like be new york times stuff, i mean you know? i mean at least it probably wasn't well organized by your standards but i remember it being quite big on facebook but, yeah but yeah would you say would you say i built it up on facebook this yes experience strengthened your activism with respect to China and Hong Kong. Oh, of course. You, so well, that, that's that's what I was going to get into. Yeah. Like, it was this experience that radicalised me. Yeah. Because in it was in like, that, you now had a personal stake in it to some degree? That's, that's not yeah. to say that you wouldn't have cared otherwise, but do you think the experience of, or you experienced firsthand the power, potentially, of the CCP? I think that is part of it, because it was like, part of it was like, you know, even as a school kid, I always sort of like just despise like authority, you know, like, you know, I was always one of the kids who would like, you'd go up against one of like those sort of tough ass teachers and you're like those ones who'd like try and crack down on the class and like assert mm. authority by like cruelty and stuff. Yeah. I always kiss their ass, man. Oh, right. Well, I would always be <laughs> the one who, like, I was always the one who just fucking niggled and niggled and niggled mm. until I was sent to like, like, like the detention and I was suspended multiple times at Villa and stuff like that. Like I was a bit of like a... So you have been a troublemaker. Yeah, I, like, I, like I was a troublemaker and part of that was just like, I really have always sort of like struggled with my relationship with authority and stuff mm. like that. And yeah, like I'd go up against these like authoritarian teachers and like, yeah, I, like a teacher would come in, it'd be like a substitute teacher and they'd immediately try and like, just like assert their authority, but just by being like cruel or whatever. And then like, it was like something like flipped in me and I was like, okay, I've got to like fucking piss them off. So it's been part of it, I guess like- So I've always had the sort of- Always had a bit in it. And then like that led to protesting. So that that was, that's like the part that like probably led to the protest in the first place. You know, I was so passionate about this issue. I've always thought, had that sort of like kick the yeah. hornet's nest type. It was like, I was seeing all those people in stalker space that literally denied Tiananmen. Yeah, I guess so. And like, I was seeing those people in stalker space, the UQ Facebook group saying like, oh, Tiananmen didn't happen. They were literally- there were people literally denying it. And then I was watching, yeah. like, I guess, like, key politicians in Australia say, like, oh, we can't talk about what's going on in Hong Kong and stuff. Part of me was just, like, how the fuck can they expect us to be silent when these injustices are going on? So I, I wanted so to keep the hornet's nest. So it's as much you felt that one of the principal injustices was the fact that no one in Australia was talking about it. It's not just yeah. the events overseas. And that I mean, part speaking of to that, I mean, you've been a great vocal critic of the Confucius Institute at yeah. UQ and, and Peter Hoy's long-held relationship. 
Well, part uh, of that for me... Is so, he an honorary professor? Uh, no, so he was like on the board of Hanban, which was the institute that oversees the Confucius right, Institute worldwide. advisor? Yes, but it was literally the board that oversees Confucius Institute. Huge. And like, well, this is like... And the Confucius Institutes are a state entity, like so, a Chinese state are, entity. These are university institutes yes, teaching yeah. Chinese language but, and, and ideology that are well, like, taking place on it's universities not just, all over yeah, the world. It's, they say they're about co- Chinese culture and Chinese language, but like, you know, there have been multiple incidents. There was the famous Braga incident in Portugal where like Confucius Institute staff like ripped up, I guess, like sort of like, like in Confucius Institute staff were like invited to this conference um, and a Taiwanese sort of speaker was going to speak at, at the conference as well. And apparently, and like the, the Confucius Institute staff like ripped up like the Taiwanese papers and like, and just cracked down and made sure yeah. that they wouldn't speak and stuff. So like, these are not just cultural and language. These are not just cultural and language institutes. Like they propagate the views of the Chinese so at, government. At the very least, they're a, they're a diplomatic arm of the CCP. And you yeah, would, they are. And you would say they're in. Yeah. you know, they're probably slightly more nefarious than that. Or do well, you think? They're, they're, do you think it's just heralding a new form of diplomacy on university campuses? Well, it's just literally a propaganda arm of a state that's committing genocide right now against, say, the, like the Uyghur Muslims. And so that was it for me. Like, there's the headline. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's the. That for me is the outrage, you know, mm-hmm. and it started when, for me, it started when um I was like a critic of the when I was like attending like sort of like anti Ramsey Center protests at UQ and stuff, and I was like oh, this, yeah. was, this was when I was like sort of like had a good working relationship with Social Alternative or whatever, and like at one point I asked them like like why don't we I guess um do a protest against Confucius Institute because like this is a like. It's also that's also like coming into the principle of non interference. Both just external influences yeah, on the university that both should be ex- independent. Both external influences on the university that sh- on universities that should be independent, and like this is an arm of a government that's committing genocide against Muslims, and like their response to me was like, "Oh no, but it's going to be used as cover for racist attacks on Chinese students." So it, just for me, like part of the problem and the frustration was just like. It was. It seemed to just be, I guess, like issue no one would touch, despite the fact that like this was a genocide that was going on. So I just, I really wanted to just speak out so strongly on it. Like this is this is an arm of a government that is committing genocide against a Muslim ethnic minority. A million and a half Uyghur Muslims are in concentration camps yeah. in July. Like in July when we do this protest, mm. there are a million and a half Uyghur Muslims in concentration. So to step camps. back, like I mean, you. So your theory of the case to tie this back to the dossier and the expulsion. Your theory of the case. You've done this protest in July. It's got in the news in terms of anti-China sentiment. Peter Hoy, the vice chancellor of the university, he has history as being on the uh, yeah. an, an unpaid advisor, which is very interesting. Yeah, uh, I wonder what would be given. Yeah, I wonder, in, he I wonder was what the payment was. He, he, he's, he, he's just a good bloke. Pet does stuff for he, free. He was um, <laughs> awarded in 2015. Oh, the, that's right. In 2015, Li Wen Liang, I think her name was, the Chinese vice premier. She awarded him the Most Outstanding Individual of the Year Award for his efforts promoting Confucius Institutes worldwide. So he, so so the he, idea, so the so idea, he is a big dog of big dogs. Yes. So like, this is like someone the Chinese government awarded for, like, for promoting their state ideology stuff. So the idea being that you've basically come out and very publicly given an opposition and new Q2 yeah. and Peter Hoy having worked not only to get the Confucius Institute up and running, but a lot of... UQ is bankrolled, I suppose, by the fees of international students yeah. who pay three, four times as much as so, Australian students. So, so the Chinese so, market, um, the the university relies on one hundred and fifty million dollars a year on the Chinese market, and that is 
completely tied to their relations with the Chinese government because the Chinese government has a totalitarian government could turn off the tap at any moment. And Peter Hoy is basically dependent Cur- yeah. on this to keep the business model of the university Yeah, and going. currying favour with the Chinese government, Drew, yes. I know you've targeted Hoy a lot and he's deserving of it. Do you feel like successive Australian governments are to blame at all with this? Of course, Given all of that them. they have, not so much with specifically China, but in relation to the reliance on international students, yeah. funding for universities have declined and declined and declined yes. over years. So they've been forced to look overseas, forced yeah. to look internationally. Yeah. How would you have, you know, necessarily done things differently if you're a uni that has to find this money from somewhere? See, that's the really big issue, right? Like, you'll see, like, I guess, like, Liberal members of Parliament Mm. say, like... You'll see Liberal members of Parliament say, like, this reliance on, like, the Chinese market is just so terrible for, like, Australian sovereignty or whatever. Mm. But, like, they're literally the ones who, like, have been gutting university fees so that universities have to... Rely on like such a catch yeah, which ties into the like corporatization of the uni. And I mean, mm. like, I'm, I mean, not to sit here as a passive interviewer. Like, I have opinions on Peter Hoy. Like, he, Love him. he's yeah, I'm big, yeah, huge fan. <laughs> yeah, he's my yeah. dad, uh, I'm a Hoy boy. Well, yeah, uh, it's it's what we call um, but like, the legit, he's he's just he's trying to destroy the Chanel Theatre in order yeah. to build a university that has more fucking iPad driven yeah, classrooms. Yeah. He's you know he's pushed for this Ramsey Centre. He's pushed for the Confucius Institute, and he essentially just seems more focused on profit than students. Yeah, um, and you just find like he. Yeah, he, he's now the person who's trying to silence you because you've affected he his just, financial interests. He just interest. makes your skin crawl. He's a fucking he's, cartoon he's, uh, of yeah, a villain, yeah. isn't he? He's too mean to be real. Yeah, and like... <laughs> so, Sorry, it's like a dual problem, right? Like, So the Liberal governments defund the universities. And what do the universities do? They then hire corporate executives to take over and double down on, say, like, corporatization of the university to find new sources of income. And to do that, they have to make it all profit-driven. They need to make a model where students are no longer, I guess, like, scholars, but, like, consumers. Um, you have to rely on markets that that necessarily mean you have to, like, maintain good relationships with a genocidal dictatorship. And you were a massive threat to those relations because you of came course. out and you talked shit about the Chinese government. And, well, and particularly, well, you, had, the- you had a platform. You yeah. were a senator. You weren't just a rogue student. You had a platform. Yeah. And do you feel like the heat from the unis increased since of you've been able to basically bandy about the UQ logo and say, hey, I'm a senator. I'm on the board. Yes. I have a yeah. bit of sway. And if you're you know, a CCP or a Confucius Institute representative, you're probably thinking, shit, this bloke's now part of the game. Part of the dossier, like one of the key allegations is that my post where I said, as a UQ senator, mm. I support Hong Kong. I'm, I, I'm worried about the humanitarian situation there. I condemn the Hong Kong police's brutality. UQ's, one of UQ's allegations in the 186-page dossier is that that prejudices, prejudiced the university's reputation and caused Chinese students to disenroll. And they, they actually stated that several Chinese students disenrolled. And that, for them, is the big <laughs> because thing. Because you said the C word on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, it's kind of weird as well, because you were just stating a fact. Like, it would be equally true if you were like, as a man or as a, <laughs> as a Greek descendant. Uh, well, I mean, as as a, I want to jump on that quickly, because, like, yeah. and Joe said, you know, as a fact... You might be sitting here, uh, listeners might be listening to this podcast being like, geez, these might be some conspiracy theories. It's in front of our fucking eyes. And it's not well, just... Yeah, and this it's, is the fucking document, you and know, and I'm going to publish the document, the 186 pages eventually, and I'll show the public what this is. And it's not just Let you, me read from it. Let me read from just it. Just before you do, though, yeah, but yeah. like, just 
it's not just you who's come out and said this. Four corners on the ABC have come out and said that, you know, they've pointed out that, like, UQ arrangements with Chinese government organisations have been well under scrutiny. They've co-funded at of least course. four courses offered by the by the university. Um, and isn't that shocking that the Chinese government, a government that is committing genocide, funds fucking courses at UQ? Back in 1994, when during the Rwandan genocide, why was there no Hutu power institute on, and, on campus funding, like, like pro-Hutu power propaganda? Yeah. We and would like, fucking say that's insane. But it's not, and it's no, not even, actually, it's not even just. It. it was a terrible course, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it didn't hardly take all. <laughs> <laughs> but the the idea that like it's not just you know you've been in the ABC, you've been in the Guardian, you've been in the Washington yeah. fucking Post, New this, York Times, the, the New York Times, <laughs> and yeah, it's not going to let us forget one. <laughs> but you've also but you've also been in the Global Times, a Chinese newspaper, yes. where basically Chinese media have endorsed your expulsion. Yes, to, and to step back again, like. You're a 20-year-old kid in a university in Queensland and the Chinese state-run media have are endorsing your expulsion. Like, does this just make your fuck... Does it make your head spin? It makes my head spin. It's fucking insane. It's fucking insane. And the reason this issue has taken such such a big... It's the it's most the recent example of freedom of speech being silenced by a, a country... You know, yeah. that is, as you say... Genocidal dictatorship. Doesn't have a great... Yeah, run on Doesn't have rights. a great record. Um, <laughs> and, and on that freedom speech thing, Matt, a lot of people have come out in your defence, as we've discussed. Yeah. But a lot of those people seem to have been predominantly from the right, particularly, you know, parliamentarians, Tim Wilson, yeah. Andrew Lamming. Tony Morris is, like, a well-known... He's a great QC, yeah, yeah. but he is a well-known right-wing fella. What do you think it is about this freedom of speech idea that seems to attract more buddies on the right than the left? Because, you know, go 30 years ago, censorship and freedom of speech was the left's idea. It was a conservative group of people who wanted to silence that. Yeah. So what do you think about it has made these... I mean, the Australian literally called you a conservative student. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Which is hilarious. I mean, well, that was funny when, writers there. That was funny when they said that because I'm literally like a libertarian socialist. I'm an anarchist. Mm. Yeah. I don't believe in capitalism. I want to fucking overthrow everything. Mm. So they call me conservative. Are the Australians like, oh, free speech. Yeah, it's, like... These kids are conservative. I think it's truly crazy because, like, you know, 30 years ago, yeah, the free speech crisis on campus was literally, like, the LNP... Like, the Nationals government under Joe were fucking mm. bugging the fucking Semper office. Legit. They Fitz literally Gerald had... inquiry before that. Yeah. Queensland has such a bad track record. They had a... They had... There, was, there were bugs on, like, students in the union at UQ. And that was a right-wing government trying to, like, attack radicals. Like... That's cool. Imagine if they said anything dangerous enough these days to be bugged by a Palaszczuk government. Yeah, they, they wouldn't say anything dangerous enough yeah. these days, which is, again, coming back to corporatization. But... Yeah. But I guess... And I guess it's not... You're not saying... Because I guess, yeah, there were people in the opposition and, as you said, your friends in the Socialist Alternative Party at the beginning who were saying, oh, well, we'll be taking as racism towards Chinese students. I suppose you're not saying that we don't want international students at UQ. And no, it, it's and never been about that. It's and, not, and it's not that. It's, it's You're saying that it's more the fact that the uni, based on financial interests, mm. is willing to silence and expel a student. Well, and the strings attached to having these international students, as you say. See, like, this is the thing, like, the way I see it, it's... Con- perfectly intellectually consistent with my left-wing values. This is, like, a corporate university administration. Let's not think for a second. Like, obviously, Peter Hoy is not, like, a fucking secret Maoist. Mm. He doesn't believe in anything. He fuck, he's just a fucking mercenary. Yeah. He's just a rich Danish dude. Yeah, just wants profit. He, he's, a, he's a neoliberal, fundamentally. He, he's fundamentally a neoliberal. And, like, what does he do as part of that? He's willing to sell, I guess, like, the human rights of Uyghurs and stuff. Sell it fucking down the gutter you know like just for business interests mm. yeah so to me what i'm trying to fight against is a corporate university administration that will place business ties 
with a genocidal human rights abusing dictatorship place that above like you know like ordinary like human lives yeah mm-hmm. they're placing money about above human lives it, it goes it dovetails right back into my like you know like socialist anti-capitalist politics they're they're yeah. literally putting the dollar value above human mm-hmm. lives for me it's all about it has to be human centered but uq is more concerned with the 150 million dollars they rely upon every year in from the chinese market than they are about like the lives of the uyghurs and, and stuff that, like that and that they've been forced to rely upon by people who are so obsessed with you know this neoliberal efficiency this uh, yeah unis yeah. have to fend yeah, of for course. themselves mate well like yeah like when i first met with them they were trying to like say like it just like they were like oh you know none of us want this to happen none of us want the Uyghur genocide none of us want to like <laughs> be shocking if they said the other side like, <laughs> yeah, no. oh, I, I want it but like, <laughs> like when I when I met with like senior university administrations bef- just prior to my senate meeting and I guess they were trying to like I guess placate me or whatever mm. like the whole thing was like look Drew like we know it's bad but like we've got no choice because like the right-wing liberal governments have gutted our funding mm. but I just don't I don't I don't accept that excuse mm. because I I don't think it was just that that liberal governments defunded them. It's it's been like this is like the corporatization of unis over like the last three decades. It's been I guess like it's relied upon universities a lot themselves because universities were the ones who put those corporate executives in charge in the first place. Well, and I guess they don't run to break even. They run to make overwhelming profits. This isn't yeah. our funding got cut, so now we've just got to get to an even point while still providing a good service to students. It's, oh, here we go, we have a huge endowment, yeah. let's use it. Exactly. UQ has a huge endowment. It's a billion dollar organisation. Mm. And like, and like, it's Sponsor supposed- the Broncos. Yeah. Never made sense to me. <laughs> so, it's, it's probably a good place. The I universities suppose. have been complicit in this process, too, is my point. Yeah, yeah. The universities, like, were the ones who appointed the neoliberal corporate ne- vice chancellors. They were the ones who made those cuts to the courses. They were the ones who, like, decided to put all these academics on casual, like, hours and salaries to, like, mm. to ensure, to, like, make the workforce, like, precarious and to make sure that they don't sort of, like, have, like, a unified sort of solidarity with one another. Mm. Like, for two, three decades, universities have been directly complicit in the process where universities have been mm. corporatized. So, like, you know, when the, the whole Peter Hoy argument, like, oh, I, I'm a social democrat from Denmark, I believe in I believe in high taxes, I believe in lots of spending by the government on university, like... I love this impression. <laughs> well, he's, he's been on the record saying, like, I believe the university's goal is to find out what the corporations of the world want and then to complete that for them. Like, mm. that's his conception I mean, of the university. That's not my conception of the university because my conception of the university is like... reflected in the gutting of an arts degree and yeah, the my, fact that law's now basically taught to directly be a practitioner. Yeah, like, this is the funny thing, I guess, about, like, my politics. Like, yes, I'm, like, sort of, like, a left-wing radical and stuff, but, like, I guess my... The model I sort of, like, look to when it comes to education is sort of, like, you know, like, the Oxbridge model. And in many ways, that's a cursed sort of, like, very elitist cursed model. But I mean the part... What I mean when I say, like, that is the idea of a university is more like, like, the conception, like, I guess, Oxbridge colleges have of the university isn't, like, let's find out what the companies of the world... Yeah, like, like, for example, look at Oxford. They've got a law degree. They refuse to call it an LLB. They call it jurisprudence, like the philosophy of law. And then their master's is a bachelor of civil law. Yeah, because they are so, so adamant, like, we are not, like this education we're not an institution focused on like producing like sort of like we're not focused on producing 
tra- effectively tradesmen in a way, but in a law context. Because well, yeah. the UQ approach is, hey, what do the big corporate firms want? All right, we're going to yeah. send it right up that alley. Not, not even just law, though. It's it's the entire Oxbridge model. It's yeah. all about, like, I guess, so, like, like they still have the classics there. Yeah. You know? yeah. And but like, at the end of the day, and, you're saying that, that in this context for you, that UQ's corporatization has led to students like you who speak out against it, being silenced or being yeah. attempted to be silenced. Well, yes, yes, because like you know, there's been a really long history of this. Like, I was like I said when I, when this first happened in July, I wasn't the radical I am now. Like no. I, I still thought we can meet with Peter Hoy, we can talk with him. This was I, I, I was a different person then. Yeah. I, my politics were different. I was far more moderate. I literally thought we can sit down with Peter Hoy and discuss this. Yeah, I guess like but look, it, what, it probably leads to it just in like wrapping up. Yeah, something that has come through in a lot of this is. So Joe and I spoke a little bit yeah. about it. I guess the it is perfect the enemy of the good. So you, in, in all these issues, and we've covered heaps mm. today that you've spoken about, and you, yeah, you're brash online. Like we're you, mates, but ev- you're no means perfect. Of course not. Like I'm you, not, you've yeah. said some some tough things. Of course I'm not perfect. Everyone out there is probably going to disagree with. Yeah, you. but I, I guess the idea is like you you would come back and I would agree, and that hence why I, I would sign the petition, mm, the yeah. example, and kind of support you is that like two hundred and fifty <laughs> hampers for students who needed it mm. because of COVID, genuinely saying you were going to give your entire salary, which is I already don't. To, when, you've donated when, your entire salary I donated $10, to the cause you believe in, which I can say, you know, I wouldn't have fucking when done. When you posted that <laughs> screenshot, Henry and I sent it to each other, and I just thought, look, mate, if you put ten grand in my bank account, I'd be very hard-pressed to send it to you know, Amnesty International. <laughs> you know, when, when that went into my bank account, it was tough because, like, you know, I'm not... Like, I'm really lucky that my family's quite mm. well off, you know, like, and I, I'm not going to... Fruit like, shop. Yeah, fruit, the fruit <laughs> shop, the conspiracy of the fruit shop. Look, look I, I'm comfortably middle class, so, like, I'm not going to starve or anything. But, like, you know, like, I could have used that money. Oh, mate. Like, ten, for, ten grand setting you up for like, a serious amount of time. Because, like, for example, like, you know, the government gives you ten, ten therapy sessions for free every year or whatever. I well exceed that, you know. Yeah. And each session's, like, $200. It fucking destroys my money. Like, I don't have... And my car's beat up. It's got all these fucking massive dents in it. Like, I could have used that money, you know, and I I donated it because I'd literally rather die than like. (laughs) And so you think, and the fact that for many years, the UQ Senate was a prim and proper position, do you feel like, do you think it's worth it, I suppose? Because you mentioned before death threats to your family because of this international, uh, you know, sometimes condemnation and getting quite scary messages from a whole whole newspaper, a whole state media against you. Yeah, like a nuclear armed dictatorship used its state media to condemn me and call for my expulsion. It's at pretty the, fucking... At the age of 20. Yeah, which is fucking insane. Well, you're good be story. Years, man. <laughs> yeah, good story, right? I guess, do you... And well, maybe we'll close here. It's yeah. saying, do you think that all, all of that is worth it? Or do you ever, do you ever maybe think, did, should I have played the game? Should I have had a different approach? Should I have uh, been a bit more Machiavellian? Like maybe some other student politicians yeah, yeah. are. If we, if or we, do you think you just wouldn't have got enough done? If See, we took you back to July 2019... Oh, I wouldn't change a single thing. This is the thing, like, I acknowledge I fucked up so much since July. I've done so much stupid shit. I fucked up when I lashed out at those people. I fucked up when I picked the wrong fights, when I sometimes went too far, you know. And there were times where I was too mean to other students and stuff. I regret it. I wish it wasn't me. And that's why I'm in therapy trying to fix myself, you know. Not a perfect person. I know I've got, like, the huge ego online. It's sort of just played up. Because, like, the reality of me is, like, I'm a normal human being like most other people, I guess. And, like... (laughs) Except that third arm you've got growing on that. That's and, <laughs> and so, like, you know, like, for me, I'm trying my best to, like, 
live a life that's about other people, you know? Because like I was trying to get at earlier in the interview, like during times where I was suicidal, when in really dark places with mental health and stuff, I didn't want to be here. And it's like, and I tried to think what would be the only purpose for living. And like, I, I decided like the only purpose for me living is to try and live my entire life trying to fight for like, you know, human dignity, human rights. Like, give, like, I sort of felt like it's okay if I sacrifice a lot of my personal happiness for that because that's the only thing that would ultimately give it worth and value because, you know, like, like that's a thing. A lot of people have been like, oh, Drew does this for, like, Drew's this Machiavellian operator. He does all this for attention, stuff like that. Like, or he just does this to get ahead. But the thing is, like, if I wanted to get ahead, you wouldn't do it the way I did it, you know? Yeah. Like, as if you would have done it. Like, you look at all the people who, like, are the generally, genuinely, like, Machiavellian operators. Like, you know, the shoe pole hacks and stuff like that. And they would never be caught dead saying a single controversial thing online, you know, because they don't want to ever, like, have that used against them later on. Because they're already planning their 50-year beautiful, perfect careers. To me, it's not, like, that's why I guess my style is very, like, sort of, like, shoot from the hip. Because it's, like, for me, I'm fine with fucking myself up a little bit. Because I believe, like, the ultimate goal I'm trying to fight for trying to fight my best for you know is like human rights human dignity and like you know I donated that I'm going to donate I donated ten thousand dollars the other day and I donated and I'm going to donate the entire fifty thousand dollars salary and that's money I could have used but I would rather die than use it for myself because you know like look into my wigger mate's eyes and like he was crying and he was t- talking about like his mum you know in the concentration camps and like like that, t- that changes something, you know, in you, you know, it changed something in me. Like, that's what I was talking about. Like I've radicalized, you know, cause like it changes something new when you hear those types of stories. So I just, I couldn't live a life like that wasn't focused on this now. I think it's the only thing that really gives me value. And that's why like, I'm willing to countenance like a lot of personal damage and like fucking up my life a lot. And I have fucked up my life a lot. I've lost so many friends. I've lost so many people I cared about and I loved, you know, I wish I had them back, you know, but I fucked it up because I did stupid shit. And like, that's just part of it. I sort of like, people can go, oh, Drew's doing this for fame. He's doing it for himself. But like, you know, if you were doing, if you, there are much easier ways to get mm. fame than like fucking. Who would, who would choose this? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not, what I'm trying really hard to do is like make it all centered on other people. And that's why I donate this salary. And that's why I like raised 5,000 recently to like do 250 free hampers for students in need. Like I just, I want to devote my entire life to hopefully fighting politically for justice and stuff like that. And like, I, and I'm not going to stop, you know, like I don't see the end as the UQ Senate or whatever. Like I want to commit my entire life to it. You've definitely, you've built an incredible platform. You've brought a lot of attention to it. And I guess, uh, Drew, thanks for coming on mm. and good luck with the disciplinary hearing whenever it is. And Thank you very much. The subsequent appeals. And um, yeah, I think- There might have to be a, a follow-up episode once we yeah. find out some of the consequences. I'm sure, yes. I, well, I'd love to be on again because it's a great show and- yeah. In our really high-tech studio, obviously, yeah, for a bloke it, who's it, been interviewed by a lot of media outlets, My Garage is yeah. a great option. Honestly, it's my favourite interview I've done so far because <laughs> it's my mates, Henry and Joe, and that's yeah. all you need, mate. Well, mate- um, I think a lot of people uh, are, have obviously got you back out there at least 24,000. And um, so, mate, thanks for making the time and uh, good luck. Thanks so much, guys. Cheers.